Welcome to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Tom and I have a good one for you today, The Secret Invasion. So let's get to it. This 1964 World War II movie is also considered a spy movie. You've got to like in 1964 them doing a World War II movie because by 1964, a lot of the World War II movies were done other than if you're doing like a Berlin Wall thing, yeah. but that's after the war. So We're going to see some, though, that came after mm-hmm. this. We'll talk about it. We'll right. talk. We will definitely talk about that. All right, so here's the deal with this one. British intelligence is organizing an operation to liberate an Italian general, General Quadri, who is in German captivity in Yugoslavia. The reason he is important to set free is that he controls a large number of Italian soldiers who are not so loyal to the Germans, and they want him free so he can address his troops and rally them to support a Balkan uprising so that they can manipulate the Germans into moving more troops from southern Italy to the northern Italy, the Balkans area, to deal with this insurgence, thereby preparing for an easier invasion of Italy by the Allies in the south. (laughs) That may be the longest sentence I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) But an important one. It's it's accurate, so at least you get a snapshot of this movie. We're going to do it a little differently in this this episode, is we're not going to go play-by-play through every scene. We're going to talk about the the influences and the big hits, but not do what we sometimes have done of going scene by scene to yeah. here. So tell us so having uh, that long yeah. sentence was really important because it sets the stage. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us what you think of the new format here for this one. To do this operation, they take five prisoners and move them to a location where Major Richard Mace, played brilliantly by Stuart Granger, will yeah, bring he's, he's good in this role. Yeah, he's good in everything he's done. And this is kinda like towards the end of his career too. So it's kinda interesting some stuff that went on in the background. So he's gonna brief them and train them and accompany them to Yugoslavia to carry out this mission. So, pretty bold. Each of these prisoners has some skill that British intelligence thinks will help in this mission. So let's go ahead and break that down. Yeah. So we have Roberto Roca, and he's an organizer of criminal activities. Yeah, and Raffaloni does a great job as Roca. He does. He is (laughs) awesome, awesome, awesome. We call him an organizer of criminal activities because... He really kind of is a, he does plan things out. That's he what does, he went to prison for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then we have a guy, a character named Terrence Scanlon, and he's a demolition expert and a member of the illegal IRA. Uh, yeah. He's played by Mickey Rooney. <laughs> yeah. Which, which generally I, I don't like. Mickey, <laughs> I don't like Mickey Rooney generally in movies, but I have to say in this one, he plays a character where he's perfect for it. Uh, yeah, he doesn't. He, it, there's some comedy, but it's not as much as no. you normally get out of him. No. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then we get Simon Fell, who plays a forger. Hmm. Yeah. Played okay. by Ed Burns. Yeah. Uh, so if you knew the, what was it, 77 Sunset Strip TV series. Oh, yeah. That was a great show. So he was in that. Yeah. He was Ed, Ed Cookie Burns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that, then we get probably my favorite character was John Durrell. Yes. And he's a paid assassin. And I love the way Henry Silva played this character. Oh, man. Henry Silva is scary. <laughs> he was really scary. And unfortunately, Ooh. we just lost Henry Silva in the middle of September this year. Yeah. So, uh, but he was really good in this. Yes, he was. Then we get a character named Saval. And this guy stole an El Greco painting. Yeah. 
And he's a master of disguise because you need one of those in a good spy movie. Yeah, played yeah, yeah. by William Campbell. Yeah, right? Campbell. He he was good. He was good. Yeah. Yep. And then we get a female character called Mila. Right. And she's a local woman, and she's played by Spela Rosen. Yes. And she, she was good. again an, another really good job uh, in this role. And she is beautiful in this movie. Oh too. yes, she is. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. All right. So their deal is dedicate themselves to accomplishing this mission, and if they survive. <laughs> their sentences will be commuted okay well there you go i want to take your chances go ahead take your chances oddly, if you survive your sentence will yeah. be commuted yeah. nice oddly enough it's been reported that roger corman who directed this movie came up with the overall idea while he was at his dentist's office where he was reading a magazine and an article about the city of dubrovnik so during his procedure, he was trying to think up a story that could take place there. And when he finished, he went to his office and wrote the first draft. Now, he didn't write the screenplay because they say the screenplay is really credited to R. Wright Campbell, even though at one point it was reported that Mickey Rooney wrote it. So I don't think that Mickey Rooney claimed it. That might be how he got the role. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, and Campbell's original title was The Dubious Patriots. Hmm. There were changes made to the script as United Artists wanted something their way, so they changed it. It's reported that the initial guy they were trying to rescue was an atomic scientist, and there were a lot of other things that went on through that scenario that United Artists thought, no, I don't think we like that idea. So, you see... Yeah, actually, before, before you go on, so you're talking about the city of Dubrovnik. Yeah. I should be there in a little while. Yeah, take pictures of these scenes. If I can. We see it being called the secret invasion for multiple reasons. And so it's not because just United Artists wanted to call it secret agent. We think that these hand-selected prisoners who are now agents are secretly entering the country and will assimilate there to try to infiltrate the German local powers and free the Italian prisoner, which would bring more Italian troops into play against the Germans. That's the first reason. The real secret invasion <laughs> is the invasion of Italy from the south. That is what this movie is really about and how this team will try to draw German firepower up north because of the insurgents that could happen here with the Italians not loyal to Germans and who follow the leader that this team must spring. So along with the Balkan insurgency and everything else, that's what they're hoping to do bring up the German firepower, make the real invasion of Italy in the South easier to do. This real invasion... There's, there's been a couple movies where that we've talked about where there's been the, we're going to make people believe we're going to do something here yes. when we're really attacking up there. Yeah, and all because this is... a fairly common strategy. All this was real stuff, too, from World War II. So this real invasion of Italy, it, it was in real life being planned on the island country of Malta by General Eisenhower and other generals. And there's a war room there that I've been to, and Tom's going to Malta soon, that you can still visit. And it's it's like it was during the war. <laughs> and I vi it's chilling to be there, as it really is preserved as it was. Floor-to-ceiling maps, diorama maps with ship movements and aircraft tracking boards and all. I mean, it's spectacular. You mean that's awesome. not just something you see in the movies, huh? <laughs> it's not something you see in the movies, but you do see it. Or a replica of it, I don't know for sure, in the Malta story, that movie. Yeah. Which is great. Okay. So, so now, I do need to jump in here, though, with one thing, because we've, we've said the title, 
the secret invasion a couple times. And the word thigh is important here because as we've done in other episodes, we are talking about a movie that there's another movie <laughs> or TV show with the same name or something similar. Yeah. So there is an upcoming TV miniseries with Samuel L. Jackson called <laughs> Secret Invasion. Yes. That is not about this mission. No. And it has nothing to do with this, but just so since we'll be releasing this at about the same time as the miniseries comes out, yeah. we want to make sure we're talking about this movie, not the miniseries. Yeah. All right. So the title sequence here of the movie, The Secret Invasion, <laughs> has a ton of explosions and shots being fired, cannons shooting, soldiers running, and it sets you up for the rest of this movie because there has to be a record number of rounds fired in this movie. At least it seems like it is. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. When I was watching it, I had the exact, I'm like, God, there's a lot of rounds being fired here. I mean, there's explosions and shots being fired, and it's just constant. And it's like, wow. And I'm like, how many rounds are being fired here? A lot. <laughs> Some of the explosions in the title sequence look like fireworks to me, though. I, there are little sparkly things coming out. I, I wasn't all that impressed with some of that stuff. But still, the overall feeling is established that this movie will have a lot of action and lots of shooting. <laughs> and it delivers. The timing of some of the explosions here in the title sequence coincide with the name of the major cast member popping up on the screen and then the movie title and so on. So it's kind of like that. Boom, explosion, here's a name, and so on. Not pretty okay. good, but there are a lot. Yeah, there absolutely are. And then, so we get these explosions and this this intro in the, in the title sequence here. But then we move to Cairo. Where I British like that. Yeah, where British intelligence selects five prisoners who will be assembled as a team for this upcoming mission. Yeah. Now we've seen teams, I mean, you think about Mission Impossible, the TV show, they assemble the team as to who's going to be there. Even in the in the movies, it's a little bit less because it's a lot of the same people. Yeah. But we've seen this in, in other movies. And so this one starts with that. So we talked about some of the acting in here and, and how strong that is. And one thing we didn't mention about Mickey Rooney, because we said he was supposed to be Irish, he has a Irish accent, and it doesn't seem like it's over the top to me. So it's it's so easy for these to be over the top type of. Uh, it's type definitely of not over the top, and I, I I thought he actually lost his Irish accent a couple of times during the movie, <laughs> but he's definitely not over the top, and I think his character is played well. Overall, this is a decent movie with some very solid acting, particularly Stuart Granger, Raph Filone, and Ed Burns, who did a solid job who you would think, eh, maybe he's going to be this fluffy kind of character. He really wasn't a fluffy kind of character. He was actually pretty solid. Mickey Rooney, like you said, Irish accent and so on. Believable character, even though, like I said, I think sometimes he lost his accent. He does try to dominate scenes, though, in, a, uh, in, in places. But he does it well, and it's not, like I said, over the top. So acting-wise, very solid. And Henry Silva, like you said, as the assassin, Wow. <laughs> you cannot help but to be afraid of this guy. Though he shows a much softer side at times in the movie. So he shows a little dimension there. Now, I, I read originally Bobby that's Dick. That's dimension with an N, not dementia. Dimension. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. Uh, although in the movie, you might get away with the other one. Uh, <laughs> Originally, Bobby Darren was supposed to be in this cast, 
and he was replaced, they say, by Henry Silva. Now, I'm not certain if his role would have been the assassin because I don't think that would have worked. But wow! Yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been interesting casting. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have beat Silva as John Durrell here. But he is scary and believable. But conflicting reports say he was replaced by Ed Burns. That makes more sense to me that Burns would have replaced Bobby Darren. They're kind of similar in in terms of looks and so on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you see these prisoners arriving one by one, handcuffed. It's a great. There's some great scenes there. One by train, another by airplane, and so on. They will now well, meet. That's the cool thing because you're meeting them, and and as you first meet them, they're handcuffed. They're cuffed, and you kind of see it. Like, yeah, Ed Burns, who's playing Simon Fell, you see him in the airplane, and then he pulls back the curtain to, on the window, and then you see the cuffs. Ganlin's getting off the train with with the cuffs. Yeah, it's kind of like okay, <laughs> we get it. So now they'll meet with Major Richard Mace, Stuart Granger, who is now in charge of the operation. The Major tells them straight out that they were not his choice for this mission. There's a confidence boost. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but intelligence thinks that their individual backgrounds and skills might prove valuable to this mission. And he tells them, hey, I'm going to be tougher than anything you've been through so far. So... Some of them are very dedicated to the task in the beginning and others not so much as several try to escape, led by Simon Fell, Burns, but no escape attempt worked. The Major was too good for that. Now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you did have to like that. It's like, okay, these guys are like, oh, they put me in here. I'm a criminal anyways. I know that I'm going to go back to prison. Yeah. Maybe I'll just leave. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. <laughs> the major's on you. Out for them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we see about a minute of screen time's worth of training. <laughs> well, that's all you need. Yeah. All right. We get the idea. They're being yeah. trained for this mission, one way or another. Live rounds of ammunition being shot at them, is, and so on. So, all right. Immediately, the obvious connections to other movies are certainly the Dirty Dozen. Yep. Here we have five cons and the major, a dirty half dozen, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and there's a feeling in the beginning of the Guns of Navarone, if you've seen that movie. We see some similar characters like Granger and David Niven, Scaling Cliffs, German Boats, and so on. There's definitely two obvious connections to those movies, right? Oh, and for me, the Guns of Navarone reference you're making here yeah. is just so right on. Yeah. Now, you're a bigger fan of The Dirty Dozen, so I hadn't seen it in a while. I just rewatched it before we did this. Yeah, yeah. So I totally get where you're coming from there. But the the whole boat scene at the beginning, it almost was like Guns of Navarone was it's, three years earlier. Yeah. And it's almost like they said, okay... We really like that whole sequence. Let's just steal it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. We'll borrow it and enhance it. But the concept. Sure the concept know. is there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a lot of the scenes look in, in the way they do that feels very, very similar. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But yeah. That, you know, and after I did rewatch the uh, Dirty Dozen, I think another one that I, I remember you told me you thought also the, the Great Escape was, oh, yeah. had an, an influence in here. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, there's there's tunneling in this movie. Yeah. And because they're trying to get access to this prisoner, the Italian prisoner they're going to try to spring, right? So there's tunneling in this movie. Obviously, you immediately think of The Great Escape, which came out the year before. So it's very or close. Hogan's, or Hogan's Heroes. 
Rogan's Heroes. That's a doghouse. Yeah, the tunneling. It's a tunnel. All right, it's, it's very close. Though in The Great Escape, they were tunneling out of a German prisoner of war camp. And here they're trying to tunnel into something, into this fortress where the Italian prisoner is kept. But the look is the same. And you cannot help but think of The Great Escape. And of course, yeah, if, you're tun- if you're tunneling, it's hard to tell if you're going in or out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. But the tunneling part looks exactly the same. And of course, the forger is in The Great Escape. We see Donald Pleasance as the forger is Blythe in The Great Escape, who seems to be a better forger with better methods than our forger here played by Ed Burns, but Burns does a pretty decent job here as well with the tools that he has available to him. You know, I I forgot that Blofeld was a forger (laughs) in The Great Escape. Yeah, well, Donald Pleasance was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that one. And then we see Blofeld again in The Dirty Dozen. (laughs) Well, yeah, Telly Savalas is in the dirty <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Very good. There you go. Okay, we got I'll some stop. Bond connections there. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> all right, but the dirty dozen, come on. So we're thinking, okay, this is a knockoff of that very popular movie. Except, no, The Secret Invasion came out three years before The Dirty Dozen, which came out in 1967. So, I mean, who is copying who? Well, it's, to, to me, it was interesting because in the Dirty Dozen, this whole concept of getting these crooks together and the interview process, it's like 20 minutes of the movie is that it's a whole trying to select team. Big part of the movie. Yeah, so here it's a, it's a, it's a lot quicker. Yeah. Because the, it's important, but it's not as important as in the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. The Dirty Dozen is a good movie. This movie, though, The Secret Invasion, is really more grounded in the mission than the Dirty Dozen. In that here, things go wrong a lot. <laughs> and adjustments need to be made on the fly, which is where some of the prisoner's skills come in, as it's more of a believable scenario because of the skills that they were selected for. And this was a low-budget film. This was like five hundred to $600,000 movie. But it delivered a lot with so little and remember 1962 dr no was a million (laughs) dollars this is 1964 and it's less than half that or about half that and at the time this was right and and dr no was the first bond movie so they didn't have a huge budget no and the budget got a lot bigger as it went along a heck a lot bigger yeah doubled the second movie and so on but here this was roger corman's largest budget he ever had for a movie so it's like okay wow Okay, so let's, instead of the actors here, let's move into the filming locations and the sets that they use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they filmed a lot of this in Dubrovnik, which is now a southern Croatian city. Right, which was then in Yugoslavia, right? Yeah, and across the Adriatic Sea from the mainland of Italy. Yeah. And then other parts of Yugoslavia at the time were also used. Yeah. And they filmed it in about 36 days in the summer of 1963. That's a pretty short shoot. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Because it's a it's now, a pretty damn good movie. Yeah. And for you Game of Thrones fans, many scenes in that series were also filmed in Dubrovnik. Wow. And it's really interesting to watch this movie, especially if you know Game of Thrones, because this was shot a lot earlier, but there's a lot that looks the same. Yeah. There's even a plot point in this movie about a river running under the town. Yes, yes. Well... That actually is a very big point in one of the episodes of Game of Thrones. Huh? So it, some of the parallels here with where they're filming this, 
the shots they take when they're filming this, and even plot points like the river are kind of nice. Wow. And, you know, talking about shots, there are some just absolutely beautiful shots of the old fortress. Yeah, yeah. You've got these weather-worn buildings with clay tile roofs. I love that, yep. Uh, those picturesque streets with the cobblestones. Yep. And all put to use in shootouts and chases yeah. and war. They use it well. Yeah, and I love when you're being chased and you're on cobblestone. Yeah. These guys run on it no problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of shooting, like we said, and so on. There are some panoramic shots and pleasant moments, but not many of the pleasant moments. It's really yeah, that's true. This is this is not exactly your uplifting movie. No, no. <laughs> There's one shot of a boat scene, and it's a, a dark, foggy boat scene where Simon Fell tries to escape again from their boat into a rowboat, but there's a German patrol boat in the area. Some fast fighting and shooting happens, but a setting looks pretty good. And we well, see. Now, wait a second. I want to stop you there because yeah. you say that he's trying to escape again. I actually felt like he was doing that to get caught on purpose as a diversion. Wow. That would that have shown some I dedication, which I don't think we've seen from him yet. <laughs> <laughs> Since he, he led the first escape attempt. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, yeah, for me, for me, that was, I kind of thought he was kind of trying to draw the Germans out or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say no. <laughs> But so there's some shooting and fighting going on here, but it's a setting that looks pretty good. And we see Scanlon, the explosives expert, right? We said he was, Mickey Rooney. He blows up the German boat near shore and they escape and swim. So that's pretty cool. Now, they did shoot this on a patrol boat. So this could have been the real deal. It looked to me like a set sometimes where they, they were certainly bringing in the fog and the smoke and so on artificially but they actually were on a patrol boat and it was like five o'clock in the morning when they were shooting this and there's there's a whole story behind that too where Stuart Granger was thinking that Ed Burns had too many lines and he wanted more lines and they had to rewrite stuff on the spot it was like Roger Corman was going crazy but it all worked out eventually and then I think they said they, they wrote more lines for him but then they cut him or something later in the movie <laughs> See, easy to cut things as you're editing. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, it just didn't fit. We needed to cut it down. <laughs> yeah. So as they're, get, as they're getting ashore, we see, of course, the meme of some animals surprising our heroes. Owls this time screech and scare the hell out of them. And us, too, when you first hear it. Ah! And like we see in many movies, right? The bird in For Your Eyes Only, while Bond's climbing Meteora. The monkeys on Gibraltar in the pre-title of the living daylights and this is a common trope yeah. but animals make it hard to keep quiet i mean we even see this way back in the 30s in the spy in black oh yeah when he's getting off of his the the, the, the boat and to get on the island yeah yeah it, the, the animals make it hard to keep quiet yeah we gotta do an episode on that one that's a, that's a cool movie all right that is the use of a cemetery and and a particular crypt in the cemetery to attempt to tunnel into the fortress is cool and it's well done and believable and this is where they begin to tunnel as we mentioned before like the great escape stuff and they had fortified with boards and they got lights in there and everything it looks just like the great escape one of the toughest moments in the movie though is when the local woman helping them has her baby with her and she and john Durrell are trying to hide from the germans in the cemetery and they 
must keep the baby quiet. We're not going to say what else happens there, but that's a yeah, touching... No, without giving it away, I mean, this is something we don't see in very many movies. Yeah. Where a baby is used... I mean, the baby actually has a couple poignant parts to it, the to its role, if you will. Yeah. And it does allow us to see a more human side of Durrell. So you'll watch the movie and see. He shows a bit of emotion here for Mila and in a couple of other scenes too. So you do see a little bit of a softer side of Durrell. But, yeah, but don't blink. But, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's normally not, doesn't show a soft side. He doesn't talk a lot, and his his facial expressions are like, oh, my God. All right. He plays some very, a very hardened criminal. Yeah. The rooftop chases, of course, there are some, and shootouts are well done and beautifully shot with the Adriatic Sea as the backdrop. The clay tile roofs add a dimension to these scenes that add to the feeling of what is happening and the sound effects are really good. We see a lot more of this kind of thing in future James Bond movies, Quantum of Solace in Siena, Italy, Craig's Bond in Istanbul, The Grand Bazaar, Chase in Skyfall, and more, right? Yeah, and, and I think the, the Foley artists with the sound on these things, they did a really good job. Yes. And I, I bet they had fun with it because there's so many different types of surfaces they were walking on to try to get yeah, yeah. that sound right. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the stone tunnels they're walking through, the lighting and so on, just all first rate. And, and again, like, a, like I said, low-budget movie. Outdoor shots like the brook with the water wheels are beautiful. You get these brief moments where there's a little bit of peace. And the camera angles, point of view from eye level, from above, from below, all done exceptionally well while enhancing the scene the photography is very solid very solid yeah i think you really need to pay attention and enjoy the art that went into this lighting yeah because it really is flawless whether it is dappled sunlight reflections on the water yeah lights in the stone tunnels yeah those faces good. partially lit because of the location yeah you know, all really really wonderfully done yeah arthur e arling is the guy the cinematographer here he did a great job and he's been the cinematographer in about 53 movies yeah. and TV I was gonna say, series. There, there's, there's a name of a pretty well-known cinematographer there yeah. behind this one. Including The Yearling in 1946, for which he was the Oscar winner for Best Cinematography for Color. I'll Cry Tomorrow in 1955 and Pillow Talk in 1959. Those are some of his bickies. As we said, things go wrong on this mission. And they are caught from digging the tunnel and imprisoned. The prison looks musty, dingy, and real. I thought they did Wait, a great job on that. Wait, how do you know it's that. real? How do you know it looks real? Have you ever been in a wartime prison? <laughs> I'm not going to admit that, no. <laughs> All right, I haven't. But it does. I mean, to me, it looks like, yeah, that could be a great so scenario. it's believable. We don't know if it's real. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. Right. I haven't been in prison, and I don't think you have either. I haven't either. We're going to try to keep that going. <laughs> that's a good That's, a, that's yeah. a good streak to keep going, yes. Yeah. So the German headquarters sets here are believable too, where they interrogate each of these prisoners separately, and it looks well-appointed, comfortable, and real, just like that. It's probably the only part of the movie where things slow down with this interrogation process where they're taking each of them individually to talk to them. And I think maybe that part of the movie maybe is a little too long. It may be like 15 minutes of the movie that maybe could have been seven. I don't know. I, yeah, I just thought it was a little... Yeah, we're definitely on the same wavelength on this part because this movie is only an hour and 35 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And and I've watched it multiple times, 
And every time I've watched it, I've stopped it here to go get a drink of water, snack, something, right? It's like, for some reason, it's with the length of this segment. If there's a weak spot in the movie, it's here. But if you cut it, then you've got a movie that's going to be, un- or cut it even in half, you got a movie that's under 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So maybe if, I don't know what you would beef up. Yeah. So, I mean, the interrogation uh, was interesting, and, and you listen to it, and each one of them is interesting, but all of them together takes a lot of time, and I think that's it. But I, yeah, it's still acceptable, and I'm, I'm fine with it, but it could have been a little shorter, I think. But despite the fact that they're captured now and imprisoned, there's always a plan, and the organizer, Roberto Roca, is always on the job. He's always leading. In fact, he's leading more than the major. He's all oh, yeah. in. <laughs> it's, it's like he's the boss. Yeah, he is all in. Yeah, I love it. So Now, the other thing I love about this character is he highlights the psychological tactics that the Nazis are using. Yeah. So we find out at the beginning of the movie that Roca has a degree in psychology. Yeah. And as you're watching this, he uses that degree. They don't dwell on it. It's just when you watch it, it's the way it comes out. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And so, you know, I had to look at who this character was because when I first saw him, I thought it was Burt Lancaster. Yeah, he does look a little bit like him. And from what I've read about it is that's not uncommon that he get, he's he been mistaken to Lancaster. So yeah, he doesn't look exactly like him. But you, you, you look in the, in the beginning, you think, oh, wow. Yeah, when I first saw him, I'm going like, wait, that's. Is that Berlin? Pretty strong. No, it's not. strong resemblance, yeah. All right. Yeah. So they figure some things out, and they make a plan for escaping. And the organizer really takes the lead in this entire process. The snapping of the fingers to keep time since their watches were all taken is key to their success. Yeah, and, but they blow it here for me. Why? Because when Roca's telling them they need to keep time to the second... Yeah. And he starts snapping his fingers. Yeah. Count how long it is between finger snaps. Yeah. He's saying once a second. Yeah, yeah. It never was a second. <laughs> well, there, there. I mean, the concept there was, hey, we don't have watches. We got to time our activities that we're planning here so that we're doing things in sync or at the right time and so on. So it's the concept here for me. But I, yeah, I was. It's a good concept, but you would think. That would be a fairly easy thing to catch when you're doing it. They, yeah, but I, I'm wondering. I'm I'm wondering, are they counting each click? Because if you don't count the clicks, what's the point? If I don't count sixty clicks, and I know that's a minute, then what am I doing? But because really, without counting, what do you have? So counting yeah. while everything is going on, though. I mean, they're talking to when they're being interrogated by the Germans. Hey, you've got counters who are counting well there's a lot of stuff going on as well yeah you do but i maybe these guys are trained at that kind of thing i don't know but there's talking all this action going on they're being interrogated they're talking and they're they're counting yeah okay but anyway there's the concept i like it that it's there and that's pretty good romantic stuff spy movies always have romantic stuff there's very little romantic stuff in this movie <laughs> only briefly between the mother of the child that we mentioned, Mila, and the assassin, John Durrell. I mean, so we see some genuine emotions here from Durrell in these scenes. But again, not a lot of romantic stuff in this movie. <laughs> You're not going to get that. That's true. We also see the individual sacrifices that each of these criminals, who are now spies and undercover agents, that they make for the greater good. 
the thing is that their individual characters are not very deep though and so you don't feel I, I didn't anyway watching it several times you don't feel like you got to know them all that well in the movie so if something were to happen to one of them you would not have that same angst or heartfelt emotion you would normally feel and I think this is maybe the biggest criticism of the movie but again it's only an hour and a half hour and 35 minutes so maybe well, they how, much, how much can you develop all these characters yeah but the, the thing to me about it is you talked about the fact that they you know do things for the greater good yeah that all seems out of character with these hardened criminals. Yeah, but again, they they got to succeed so they can be free. So they have a motive, right? No, oh, that's true. They're yeah. reluctant. And we're going to commute your sentences if you live. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So bring on the reluctant spy. <laughs> yeah. All right. There's great outdoor fighting scenes a lot as the Germans pursue our special band of brothers and tons of rounds of ammunition are being fired i mean you gotta wonder really like we said at the beginning for our six guys where the hell they getting all that ammo because they're constantly firing machine guns and never run out of bullets you never see them reloading i mean just like well that's that's pretty much what 80 percent of the movies that we talk about There seems to be unlimited amount of oh, f- for forget sw- swapping out the magazines. Just keep keep pulling the trigger; it'll fire something. Yeah, who wants to see that <laughs> swapping out magazines? Assume they do that. There you go. <laughs> well, one thing I do like is the consistency, though, because we talked about in the title sequence, there was almost unlimited rounds of ammo shot, mm-hmm. and it maintains it through the movie. So yeah, there it, you it go. Is, it is good, kind of see that consistency. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, eventually they must get the captured Italian out. And there are some surprises that happen there as well. So, again, lots of stuff Don't get that, away. that go awry in this movie. Overall, this is a solid World War II movie with a believable plot line, some very good acting. I mean, there were some top actors in a low-budget film. So, it probably says something about where they were in their careers, but nonetheless, <laughs> they deliver solid performances because they're good. So, yeah, now you, you 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 said this was a World War II movie, but I think it's actually a pretty good spy movie it is. too. Yeah, because we do have British intelligence yeah, behind the plan to get the Italian out. Yep. So, because if they do that, then the invasion of Southern Italy would be easier for the Allies. Yeah. So these guys are just acting as agents. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even double agents because they're they haven't been trained spies. Yeah, and they have the. Yeah, they had to assimilate and and win the Germans over locally, which they they, ended up in prison. But exactly, they had to make people believe they were locals. And that scene with the locals, where they're out, there's a scene where they're outdoors with the locals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a blatant ripoff with Guns of Navarone. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot from the Guns of Navarro. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about the locals, that when I saw that thing, I'm like, wow, they got that one from that movie too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the direction of this movie, too, by Roger Corman, is solid. As the scenes each play out well, and the cinematography matches the mood and the purpose of the scenes. Corman is dealing with some pretty heavyweight actors here. Again, towards the downside of their careers, probably, but he did a great job keeping things rolling, even though, like we said, there were some issues on location shots that got dicey. All right, Roger Corman said about this movie, The Secret Invasion, that, quote, it had a very similar plot to an old Western of mine, Five Guns West, which came out in 1955. Okay, 
you look at that, Five Guns West happens during the Civil War in the United States. And IMDb reports that, quote, the Confederacy pardons five criminals and sends them into Comanche territory to recover Union seized Confederate gold and capture a Confederate turncoat, unquote. Well, that does sound pretty close, Roger. I think we agree there. Holy and in the, we just had the gray man come out on Netflix and this was a guy, another agent who was kind of like Harry Palmer. You come and do this role for us and uh, yeah. we'll commute your sentence or you, you do this and you don't have to go back to prison. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. The whole <laughs> Harry Palmer thing is came right out of it. So in general though, I think Roger who had done quite a few adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe horror stories did a great job on this one. In fact, <laughs> In fact, you can see him directing this movie. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. There's one scene at about an hour, 18 minutes, and 29 seconds, roughly, <laughs> where you can see a bare-chested man with a paper in his hand waving his arms in the upper left-hand part of the screen. <laughs> Say, this is actually Roger Corman directing the scene. It's easy to miss as your eyes really are on the center of the screen where all the action is going on and I did miss it but I'm watching it the second time and I thought what the heck is that (laughs) (laughs) when you said we were going to do this movie you asked me if I caught where Roger Corbin's on screen and I missed it and so (laughs) when you told me where it was I had to jump to that I mean that is pretty funny Yeah, It's, it's the kind of things I love seeing in the movies because it's a quick blooper, it hurts no one. <laughs> yeah. You probably missed it, yeah. but there would have been an editing challenge if they had cut it out. So you leave it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been a big deal to redo it, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it is funny. Take a look at that. All right, is this a must see movie? No, not really. But it is an enjoyable movie that, for the most part, is well done, and we would recommend watching it. It's only about an hour and thirty five minutes, as we said. And you will see the connections to many other movies in The Secret Invasion. With many movies that came after it, you will enjoy this one very much. It's a different kind of spy movie. All right. So this is is yet another episode that we've talked about a spy movie where we've made claim that it's not the best spy movie in the world, but it's entertaining. It's entertaining. And, and for definitely an hour worth and 38 minutes, if you want an interesting World War II espionage thing, it definitely fits the bill. Yeah, well done. All right, that's a wrap. Tom and I ask you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And please subscribe to this show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, through your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.